You're listening to the American Girl Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Sydney. And this is the American Girl Fan Club. So, Sydney, what is your AG moment of the week? So, this is actually something that happens to me every week, but I don't think I've shared it on the podcast yet. Um, I met a friend online through our AG Instagram community at the beginning of COVID, and she and I have been FaceTiming each other every single Friday morning since then. This, uh, This girl and I have spent hours talking about our love of dolls and photography and sewing. Um, she even started her own AG boutique business on her Instagram for her own designs of like for her dolls. And it is just so especially sweet knowing that our friendship started with our love for American Girl. It makes me so happy. That's so awesome. I definitely want to check out this boutique. Yeah. Well, Kristen, your turn. What was your AG moment of the week? Well, this past weekend, I got to go to the American Girl uh, LA pop-up store, which is really fun. I know the, uh, they're changing their location from the Grove, but I'm really excited that they there was a place to still go. So I got to drive up there <laughs> with a friend of mine. And while the store is a lot smaller than I'm used to, I found that I could still spend like hours and hours there. And I was like, okay, we have to go. Just take me out of here before I spend my entire day here. Uh, <laughs> so much fun. I know. I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot, but I really want to fly down and and meet you. And then let's go to the AG store. And I'm I'm very happy that it's reopening up in a a big store pretty soon, but I'd be so happy to go to the pop-up. So I'm also very excited about this episode. Yeah, I've been I've been looking forward to this so much since we had Jamie Siegelman, who just so happens to also be the president of American Girl on our show a few weeks ago. Yeah, how amazing was that? She gave us the inside scoop that American Girl is releasing a brand new historical character, which has finally released just this week, (laughs) Claudie Wells, who hails from New York City in 1922 during the Harlem Renaissance. And we have two wonderful guests here with us today who are going to take us behind the scenes and talk about how this new historical character came to be and how one of American Girl's earlier characters, Addie Walker, actually influenced the development of Claudie's story. First, we have the author of Addie Walker books, Connie Porter. The Addie books were published by American Girl in 1993, and the series has sold more than 6 million copies to date. Connie also has two other published novels, Albright Court, a New York Times notable book, and Imani All Mine. She has won multiple awards for her writing, including Best Children's Series of 1993 from the Publishers Weekly Cuffy Awards for the Addie series. Along with Connie, we're going to be joined by Britt Bennett, who is the author of the Connie Wells books. Now, Britt is a New York Times bestselling author of the adult fiction books, The Mothers and The Vanishing Half, and she was honored as one of Time's 100 Next Most Influential in 2021. As I mentioned before, I loved The Vanishing Half when I read it a couple of years ago, and I am absolutely thrilled that Britt is joining us for this conversation today. Not only is Britt a brilliant writer, but it's extra special that she's the author of Claudie's Story because Britt grew up loving American Girl and was a huge fan of the Addie series. Addie's character has always been one of resilience and bravery, and I'm always inspired to be like Addie. I remember my very first exposure to the American Girl world was when my mother took me and my sister to see the American Girl fashion show. I saw a young girl and her Addie doll, and I was so excited (laughs) that I could maybe one day be a part of something like this. I definitely would be too nervous and shy to be up on stage in front of a large audience, but maybe if I was brave enough, I could be like Addie. What about you, Sydney? What was your relationship to Addie as a kid? Yeah, well, actually, um, Addie in particular was very special to me. When I was around seven, my Grammy died. And at that time, my mom spent all of our free days over at my Grammy's house, 
going through everything, cleaning it all out. And it was like a really big monumental task. And it was, it was a pretty tough time for me emotionally. Um, I just lost someone that I really loved. And my mom had this new full-time job of taking care of all the logistics of losing her mom. So I wound up feeling pretty lonely most of the time. And I remember bringing my cassette player each day after checking out every AG audiobook I could find from the library and listening to each story on repeat. And Addie's in particular really helped me get through those long winter and spring days. Um, I just, I found myself looking up to her and I thought her resilience was so hopeful, even though she often felt alone or without any agency over her situation. And I definitely think it's one of the reasons Addie's books have always been the closest to my heart of any AG series. I seriously cannot wait to learn how Claudia came to be and what it was like writing her story. Same. I have so many questions. So let's bring on Connie and Britt. Hi, welcome to the AG Fan Club, Britt and Connie. We are so honored to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Britt, we're especially excited to speak with you now that Claudia is finally here. What is it like for you having Claudia introduced to the world? I mean, I think it's really fun. Um, I've always wanted to write for young readers at some point in my career. So it was really exciting that this opportunity kind of popped up. And yeah, it's very strange to see something that comes from your imagination in such a tangible form of like a doll. It's very different than the experience I've had so far of of writing for adult readers. Now, Connie, did you get a chance to read the Claudie book um, before now? And if so, what did you think of it? Yes, I, I did have a chance to to read it, and I'm just so excited for this book to launch. and And Britt has just done, you know, such a fantastic job of bringing her to life because she is a nine year old girl. And over the years, readers always ask me, "Is Addie real? Is she real?" <laughs> and when I read this book, that what really struck me is that. Claudie is real. But Claudie <laughs> just came across to me as being so sincere and so sweet and really having that role there within her family, within her community. And those connections made her real to me. And yeah, I was hanging on like every scene and wanting to see what happened next and what happened with her. I mean, I don't want to do spoilers, you know, but <laughs> her being in her community and within her living conditions and the times in which she lived that that Bridges did a wonderful job because this there is a challenge of writing historical fiction and making it relevant for, for children and not having it just be a strict history lesson. But you see, in the case of Claudia, someone who lives within that world of the of the Harlem Renaissance, who lives in Harlem, and to pull all the elements together that she did, I thought was really brilliant. And I really think that this book is going to be embraced by the American girl community. I do. And I think it's going to be especially a way for African-American readers to connect and to especially have that richness of Harlem presented in the book. I I really was um, touched by all of that. I completely agree. I was on page two in her book and I sat down for a second. I was like, I already love her. And I was like, on the (laughs) second page. Uh, just to follow up, like our question for Britt, Connie, what was it like when Addie's books first came out in the early 90s? This was your very first book for young readers and likely for many, their first introduction to learning about slavery. How did that knowledge affect your approach? And what was it like when you talked to kids who had read Addie's stories? 
what was important for me to convey with working with and writing for a young audience was that, first of all, that they saw Eddie as, as a girl, that she may have been a slave, but she still was a, a daughter, a sister, a friend, a person. And I really felt um, some pressure and that I was going to give voice to her. And that's what I really wanted to do. And I wanted to do it in a way that was respectful to African-American culture and sensitive to this issue that a lot of people don't want to talk about, be they Black or white or anywhere in between, that it's something that people find upsetting. And unfortunately, something that I found out some people felt to be shameful. I'm like, I'm not going to be ashamed. This is our history. And I think that that story of Addie was a quintessential story to tell. But what was really heartening in that whole process is I visited around the country, I went to 35 states, and I made it a point to go into communities that were underserved because I grew up underserved. I, I'm one of nine children raised in poverty, raised in a housing projects. My parents were part of that great migration that came up from the South, came up from Alabama, and wanted a better life for their kids. So when I went around and connected with kids, whether they were from an inner city school, a public library, and um, in a lot of cases, they were coming through bookstores. Big box stores were out there that aren't out there as much as anymore. American Girl Place wasn't out there yet. So I was going to these very public spaces. But what I found out more than anything was that kids wanted to know the truth. Mm -hmm. They wanted to know about history. And often any discomfort that was around this issue came from the baggage that adults had. That when kids opened up about the conversations, they were like, wow, you know, that wasn't fair. And Addie shouldn't have been treated that way. And they wanted to know more. And one thing I love about American Girl is having that peek into the past where there were these um, more historical elements that were in there that put more of the book in context. Because sometimes... You can only get so much. I don't know how Brit feels. There's only so much you can get on the page. You can get a lot on the page, but sometimes it was better to have that peek into the past and having support from the historical side of American Girl. And also, again, I don't know how Brit felt about working with the advisory board, having a chance to work with people who really know the era that you're writing about, know the sensitivities that you're dealing with, and serve as a guide to to add more richness to what um, I was writing about and I'm sure what Britt's been writing about. Yeah, I was actually going to ask a question about the advisory board. Um, I know it was there to help ensure like historical authenticity um, to Addie's story and her products, but you know, writing is a very solo activity. So what was it like creating Addie's story with so many other people involved? I actually liked the process. I was a little bit leery at first mm -hmm. uh, because it is a solo activity. You know, you get in your room and you just put your, I'll call it, and even I've taught before with students. And if they had to turn in something to me, I sat on their committee and I'm like, you'll put your head down and get your work done. <laughs> but even working through that committee, I think in graduate school, it gave me an idea of what it's like to kind of work with other people. But I think with the advisory board, I felt it to be more supportive than anything else. They were a great asset because they did know more than I did. And I did not have to spend extra time chasing down historical facts. I, my first novel was a 
historical novel, Albright Court, about the steel industry. And that centers around the life of a young boy in the 1960s. And I had to do the research myself. I had to get out there and go to the library. And this is really before the era of the internet to get up and go or call a librarian or whatever I had to do. But to have that advisory board, I don't, again, I don't know how Britt felt. I like picking up that phone and said, I was scared, mate. <laughs> you know, what I'm trying to find out about is when they had that boycott of the, because uh, they had a boycott of, of the streetcars in Philadelphia. Can you find more documents on that? And they were like, say, sure. And then uh, these FedEx packages just would arrive at my door. <laughs> and I love that. I'm like, wow, okay, they found. Information from the Philadelphia Inquirer back from 1864. I didn't have to go do that. Wow. <laughs> well, what about you, Britt? Um, while you're writing Claudia's story, how did you blend research and the brand's vision with your own ideas and imagination? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I wish I always had an advisory board when I was working. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I think like Connie said, I was used to writing being a very solitary process. So it was interesting to me that there were some moments where sort of my own imagination would kind of spark the research. And there are other moments where their research kind of mm-hmm. sparked my imagination. So it was nice to have that kind of symbiotic relationship with the, mm-hmm. with the board and, and just the sort of people who are helping you do that type of research where it's kind of your curiosity is feeding the research and the research is feeding your curiosity. As a follow-up, um, was there anything that you learned about the Harlem Renaissance that you didn't know or that surprised you? I think the two things that were really interesting to me and relevant to the book. I mean, I think one was just the idea of the Harlem Renaissance being a time period where there became this real big influence on Black childhood, uh, which was something I just didn't really know. The idea that people realized the sort of larger, like almost like political importance of Black childhood and the importance of teaching Black children about history and that Mm -hmm. becoming something that was largely emphasized. Um, So that was an interesting thing. And I think the second thing was just, you know, the brutality of housing discrimination at this time <laughs> period. Um, because as I wrote this story, it really became a story about housing in a way that I didn't necessarily um, go into it thinking that's what it would be about. Uh, but, you know, you have this idea of Harlem being this haven for a lot of Black Americans and that being something that's really lovely. But the flip side of that is that it becomes a haven because people could not live in other places. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of the research of reading about people, you know, sleeping in bathtubs and people, you know, having like hot beds where one person rented the bed at night and one person rented the bed during the day. Like this type of sort of desperate housing situations that people had to experience because of segregation in New York. As a person who lives in New York now, that was just... And, and, and the fact that people were experiencing this and paying more for rent than in any other part of the city. So mm-hmm. to see the kind of structure of that and to think of the way in which it would affect Claudia in her day-to-day life, um, this sort of larger systemic problem that becomes a very pressing <laughs> personal problem for the character, um, I think just sort of facing those details in a way that I hadn't really encountered was really shocking and horrifying. Britt, you've also talked about the idea that coming of age isn't uh, one moment in time, uh, but more of a process. I know that this was your first time writing a novel for middle, like middle grades readers, but you've definitely written about coming of age themes before. Uh, so were there differences between writing fiction for adults and writing Claudia's story, or was your approach more or less the same? I think, yeah, I think the biggest difference is, I mean, one, I think, the, you know, the important thing that my editor kind of told me and 
was that, you know, when you're writing for young readers, these young characters need to solve the problems. Like they have to have this agency and they, you know, you don't want like an adult to swoop in at the last minute and fix everything. <laughs> so that was like a really important thing that I, that I kept thinking in my head as I was writing this, um, this story. Was Claudia's character or her story inspired by real life events or people in your life or, or even yourself? I don't know if she was inspired by anyone in my life. I just think a lot of it I thought about was, I think Claudia is a little bit of an anxious child. And I think I very much was an anxious child. Yeah, I think that a lot of her anxieties felt very real to me of wanting to be special and wanting to be talented and being worried that you're not. That was something that I always felt as a kid um, Mm -hmm. and still often feel now of of, you know, being worried that you're not good enough or being worried that, you know, everyone can do this thing, but I can't. What's wrong with me? Um, so I think a lot of those emotions I wanted to to explore with Claudie. I wanted her to be somebody who you see feel this anxiety, but find ways to kind of face it and find ways to take on these things that scare her. Like that mm-hmm. to me was really important that she's not this character who is only brave. Like she's a character who feels a lot of fear, but she's mm-hmm. going to try to figure out how to how to get these things done, even though she's really sort of nervous about doing them. I'd love to talk more about Claudie and how she came to be. Britt, in your forward for Claudie's book, you mentioned how reading Addie's stories inspired you to become a writer. What was it about the Addie series that gave you that feeling? I don't even know if I can sort of subfight to one thing, but I just remember, I mean, from what I remember, I think that book was the first time I read about slavery maybe at all, if not in fiction, for sure. So I think that that was something that I just like have a visceral memory of. <laughs> like they, like American Girl sent me the, um, I think they sent me the first book when I first signed on to do this. So I was like rereading it and still remembering very specific scenes from this book that I read, you know, 20 whatever years ago. Um, so I think that there was this like visceral experience of reading it. And again, you just get attached to these characters. I think, you know, I think about sort of the different books in the series and following this character, watching her experience such loss, but also having this kind of new life that starts for her and wanting to see her in that new life and, you know, wanting to see her make friends and wanting to see her experience these new things she hasn't experienced before. We also heard a rumor that as a young girl, you played Addie in a theatrical performance. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, we had like a play at our public library. So I think it was Lessons for Addie was like Mm -hmm. the story. So because I remember it was like the school setting. But yeah, I played Addie. My sister played Addie's mom. And then my best friend played Addie's best friend. So... Um, so yeah, it was just really fun. Yeah, as a kid, um, my friends and I would put on the American Girl plays as well, and I got to be Kirsten, <laughs> and it's just one of the best memories. Um, also, I know that you talked to Connie on the phone before you agreed to write the Claudia stories. Can you tell us anything about that phone call? I'm I'm assuming it went pretty well since we're all here together right now, but <laughs> I uh, I know our listeners would have loved to have been in that room for that conversation, and I would have too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I was really grateful that Connie took the time out to talk to me. Um, I was sort of on the fence about whether I was going to do this, I think in part because I just had never written for children before. And I was a little intimidated by the prospect of doing that. But I think one, it was just very cool to speak to someone who wrote a book that meant so much to you when you were a child. Like that's just a surreal experience that had never happened to me before. So I was really excited to be on the phone with her. And I think just the idea of thinking about you know, full circle moment of Connie saying to me, you know, 30 years from now, you may talk to someone who reads your book and who is now a writer. 
And I was just like, that was the one that just kind of got my heartstrings. I was just like, oh, okay, I have to do this. Yeah. Um, But I've always felt like you have a responsibility to sort of build links to the next generation in whatever way. Um, And I think particularly for Black writers, because there just isn't a lot of fiction for Black children um, or about Black children. I think this kind of presented itself as the opportunity. And it was, I think, really gratifying to talk to Connie. Connie sealed the deal after I talked to her. I was like, okay, I'm going (laughs) to do (laughs) Well, Connie, what was it like having one of your original Addie fans turned best-selling writer call you up to talk about her own American Girl story? Uh, That had to be a wow moment. Yeah, it was. And then it's kind of surreal, too, because when you write, and again, I don't know if it feels this way, too, you take your book, you, you do the best you can, you put your head down, you trust it to editorial, it gets out, it gets published, and you don't know what's going to happen. It could take off. It could just be in a, a store for four or five months and people forget about it. And with American Girl's reputation and all of the energy that they put out, I didn't know what would really happen. So for the series to take off the way it did and still be relevant next year, it will be 30 years for Addie being part of the American Girl uh, universe. And I think to hear a young writer come full circle it was something that was very touching to me uh, when we talk about, uh, I like what Britt was saying before about being a writer, being an African-American writer and having this kind of sense of responsibility. And I've read her work and especially I think with the with the vanishing half, you know, I just feel as if that this is a, as a young writer who is stepping into this generation and to the next generation. And I hate to say like into eternity. I, I, I've, you know, feel the spirit of, Toni Morrison. I feel the spirit of Maya Angelou. I feel that this is a writer who has so much more to bring. And I really just felt that she could do justice to a young African-American character. She had the sensitivity as this literary writer and knowing how to render a child, maybe for an adult audience, but still she had this ability to write so well Mm -hmm. that I really thought that her voice was one that was needed in the American girl world and that her work would would really make a difference. And I still do feel that. And this is an era that needs to be written about because the story of any people is an ongoing journey. And in terms of African-Americans to move from a period of enslavement, to move as part of that great migration to the North, that that's a crucial time in American history. And the events that are told in Claudia's story They're a quintessential story of American girlhood, too. And all of those factors that shaped them. Pleasant Rowland felt very strongly that this was a period that needed to be covered. And and I agreed with that. And that's why I wanted to come on board. And um, I had a chance to speak with her and come into a meeting. And she was talking about that idea of even books like Little House on the Prairie, where you have these stories that people can identify with a generation later. And also, uh, you know, I've just thought more about it since we found out more that even though people may want to silence this moment in American history, I don't think that they should try to go back and silence it because it would mean, like for someone like my mother, to not be able to even speak of her grandmother's life because other people don't want to hear it or it's too painful. I always look at it this way. It was very, very painful for the people who had to live it. But at the same time, they lived every day. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the whole lives were not just sorrow. 
And I wanted to show that in the Addy series. And I think that might be part of its lasting impact. Is this is not a book about a victim. This is a book about a nine-year-old girl and her family. And she represents, in a way, all of those millions of faceless, nameless people whose stories were never told. But it's one voice, one story. And again, it's a quintessential part of American history. Yeah, I loved reading Addie's books as a kid. And I think I read them for the first time when I was around seven or eight. And they gave me a lot of hope. And also, it, they made me fascinated by that era of history. And I I just, I never knew anything about it before reading Addie's books. And I felt like Addie, more than anything else, was such a real person. And she was so resilient and so intelligent. And I just, I love her. And I love how fleshed out all of the, the characters in her world are. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Connie, do you have any other stories of meeting particular fans like Brit over the years um, and learning what Addie has meant to them? I will get, like maybe every couple of months, there will be someone who will contact me and just say, wow, is this really you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there really are authors. We're really still around, at least for now. I'm not going to some more. Yeah, I'm still here, girl. But it, it really is still somewhat surprising. But again, someone will come up to me again, like 20 years later, I still remember the scene when, you know, when they were at school or something happened. I'm like, right. So it's really good to see that kind of lasting impact. And I think American Girl as a whole has held that line on trying to have that balance of, of, of showing a girl within her time. Because we read about history, all of us have when we were younger, and it's just names and dates and facts. And basically, adults. What were all the adults doing? What did the president do? What was Congress doing? No, these are the stories about what it was like to be a little girl. What was it like to live within a family, to celebrate a holiday, to go to school? So I really liked um, that aspect of it. And again, I think that's where the connectivity comes in, where someone will talk about what it was like for them to be nine or what it was like for them to go to school, even if they're talking about something like segregation. They didn't know what that was until they even read the book because they just were never exposed to it. So to be able, I think, to teach and to entertain at the same time is something that I'm glad that I was able to do because I think that that's kept the books, again, relevant. And what I think American Girl offers a platform for is for different experiences to be shared across age, across race, across social economic uh, barriers. Well, without giving away too much, um, throughout Claudia's story, she's influenced by so many talented artists and musicians, painters, singers, all in her community. Um, but she struggled to find her own talent. Britt, I am curious how you found your talents when you were growing up. Was was writing always the mode of storytelling and expression that you felt confident in, or did you try other things too? Um, you know, I, I dabbled in other things. Like I, you know, I was saying, I, I remember being in like a couple of plays when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like Claudie, I often felt discouraged if I wasn't good at something. And a lot of those are things that I wish I had just stuck with. Um, because, you know, you feel like if it doesn't come easily, if you're not immediately great at it, then well, I must not be an actor. Mm-hmm. I must not be a whatever. So I think that that was one thing that I wanted to explore by seeing her go out there and try all of these things that she's not necessarily great at, but it doesn't necessarily come naturally to her, but to see her try anyway and sort of risk that type of embarrassment, risk of failure because she is 
going to put herself out there and try new things. But I think writing was always the thing that I loved the most. I always loved storytelling, um, whether that was playing with my dolls or reading. Like I was always just really into storytelling. So I started writing when I was probably around Claudie's age. I would write, you know, short stories. And so I knew from a pretty young age that that's what I wanted to do. But it also took many years of sticking through that when I wasn't very good and learning how to be patient with myself as I learned how to be better. Yeah, I I was wondering about that because like you get discouraged when you're writing. I mean, I've I've dabbled a little bit when I was a kid. I would write short stories and stuff and they were terrible and I knew that they were terrible so I stopped. Um so when you're learning to write and when you're when you're passionate about that, um what does it take to like push through and kind of get to your fine result where you're happy with it? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's an ongoing battle. <laughs> I wish I could say that that's something that I've figured out by now. But I think what I have realized is that so much of writing is learning that your work will constantly disappoint you and having to sort of be okay with that, you know? So I think, yeah, I think for me, it's been a lot of learning how to be more patient with myself and not beating myself up if my writing is not as good as I want it to be. And know, and knowing that what I used to always tell my students when I taught is that, you know, thank God we're not brain surgeons. You know, if the draft is bad, it's okay. Nobody, there are no consequences. Um, And you have infinite attempts to make it better. So there are very few, I think, few forms of work in life where you you can take as many stabs at at it as you want to try to improve it. So in that case, I feel very fortunate as a writer to be able to do a form of, of work that allows me to have that patience and allows me to try again and again to make it as good as I want it to be. Well, Britt, what do you think sets Claudia apart from her fellow historical characters? And what's unique about her? I mean, I think one of the things that I was really interested in this book was just the idea of the boarding house and the idea of the city as a place of community. (laughs) Because I think often cities are represented as like these dangerous, scary places. And they're often represented as the idea that it's the other people in the city that pose a threat to you. So I wanted to think about the city as a place that's actually sort of welcoming and a city as, you know, Claudia having this kind of chosen family and having this community of these people that she's living with who all sort of become her family in this way that's it's perhaps a bit more expansive beyond just her biological family. So I think that that was one thing that I wanted to explore just that that kind of view of urban life, which is, I think, sometimes different than how we think of big cities. And also just that idea of Claudie's family being a bit more sort of diverse and expansive than simply, you know, mother, father, siblings. Well, Connie, what wisdom or message do you hope that Addie has passed on to the newer generation of historical characters and American Girl fans? Well, I'm thinking that when it comes to, to Addie, the word has come up before about her being hopeful. And I think that I want that message of the hopefulness in her life to be something that's passed on. Because right now we're living in an era where some children are are living a life that's filled with more stress, that's filled with more anxiety. And Annie used to always be like hoping for this perfect day. Oh, I want a perfect day. And I want them to see that even if they're living under conditions where the day is not perfect, that you still got to go on and, and live that no matter what times that you're living in and to be able to, in a sense, take stock of, of what you, what you do have, the family that you're in or the circumstances that you're in, they may not be ideal, but that doesn't mean that you give up or this isn't right. And I can't be happy. So I'm hoping that 
uh, girls of today can pick some of that up because these are difficult times because if Annie were to look at the lives of girls today, I think she would understand their lives on, on a certain level. And there's a saying out there, which I really love, that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. And I think in some ways we are. But I think if Addie were to look around at some of the lives, there'd be a little bit of disappointment that she would still feel about issues of social justice and things still not being fair, still not being right, still not being perfect, but still having that strength to, to go on because life is a journey and it, you just can't measure it by one day and one event. So I'm hoping that she could pass on some of that hopefulness that things can get better. Well, I'm sad to say this is our last question, but we are wondering, Britt, what do you hope young readers can take away from Claudia's journey of finding her passions and her voice? I hope that what they take away from it, I mean, one, just the idea that we can all be artists in our lives, that we don't have to have these very narrow ideas of what it means to be an art artist. And that if you are somebody who is interested in beauty and you're interested in sharing that beauty with other people, then you're an artist no matter what you do. So I hope that that's one thing. I hope they also just take away that, you know, that art is about enjoying the experience of making it and enjoying the experience of watching it or listening to it. It's not about needing to be the best at it. It's not about winning at it. <laughs> um, and I think that that's a lesson that Claudia eventually kind of learns that it's not about needing to be the best at this, but it's about wanting to make something beautiful and wanting to share that with her community. And that's what art means to me. So I hope that that's something that young readers take away from the books. It definitely comes loud and clear through your through your book. So thank you so much, both of you, for coming and joining us today. And You're it was welcome. just lovely to meeting you. Getting to talk to both Britt and Connie in one conversation was such a dream. Um, I loved hearing Britt talk about Claudie's persistence and how she wanted to write a character who tries like a bunch of different things out, even if she doesn't find like her one true talent at first. And also hearing Connie talk about how she wants Addie's message of hope to come through makes me so happy because it really does in like every single one of Addie's books. It's kind of the, the prevailing theme. And I love that. What was your favorite part, Kristen? I absolutely love how Connie said that it's so important to be talking about history, even if it's some history that we don't necessarily want to discuss because it may be sad or very serious, but to empathize with people from all walks of life and really and strive for fairness. I think that's such an interesting thing. I'm really excited about Claudia and her character and for all of us to share it with all the American Girl fans. And there's this idea from Claudia's book that I've been reflecting on towards the start of her story. It says that through a dance class, Claudia learns that stories did not always have to be written in a book. You could tell a story with your voice or your body. This resonates with me because of my career as an actor and creating a children's theater company. <laughs> and it got me thinking about how we participate in storytelling as American mm -hmm. Girl fans. Are there any ways that you see yourself as a storyteller? So my dream as a kid was actually to write and illustrate my own books. And I wasn't very good at either, quite frankly. It was pretty, pretty bad. Um, but my primary medium has never really been verbally telling stories. It's been figuring out how to convey the ideas behind a story in one single frame so that anyone who sees the image will get it and feel something. Um, doll photography in particular has been a really fun challenge because when you look at an AG doll, they can't really emote anything other than a you know happy smile. So when I can recreate a moment from a book 
or a movie with my dolls um, and the original story and emotions of those scenes come through in my photos, it is the most wonderful feeling. How does storytelling coming into your own life, Kristen? I came to the realization that literally everything I love doing at its core is storytelling. And that includes American Girl. When it comes to theater, it's very straightforward. You're acting out stories. But uh, with my children's theater, I always take time during rehearsals to tell a story. Usually the story has absolutely nothing to do with the play that we're putting on. It's just really fun coming up with new stories on the fly. And sometimes they end up being my best ones. (laughs) This is actually the perfect transition into an incredible voicemail we received from an AG fan who loves creativity and storytelling, especially in her career as a seamstress. Um, And she also has a very strong personal connection to Claudie. Let's take a listen. At the tone, please record your message. Hi, Sydney and Kristen. This is Mark from at Ivy Edge Dolls. I am so excited for the new historical Claudie because I have been waiting for her for so long. I remember when I was target age, maybe eight or nine, and I first learned about the Harlem Renaissance, I immediately knew I wanted a Harlem Renaissance historical character. And I've probably said so in American Girl's suggestion box on the website at least 10 times since then. So I like to think that Claudia's release means they're listening to me. One of the greatest things about American Girl is how it inspires each of our individual creative outlets. And so for me, as a seamstress, I've been preparing for Claudia all summer by sewing up a storm. I found a ton of old catalog and pattern illustration photos from the 1920s of girls' clothing, and I've had so much fun recreating a bunch of them in doll scale for Claudia. It's been really cool to explore all the fashion trends of the 1920s from a girl's clothing lens, because so much of what we see today is this very Gatsby aesthetic that really only shows a very narrow portion of adult fashions at the time. As I've been picking out which dresses to recreate, it's really piqued my curiosity on what Claudia's official American Girl outfits are going to look like, and I just cannot wait to see them. I will definitely be bringing Claudia home on release day, and she's going to have a whole handmade wardrobe waiting for her. In the meantime, I've had so much fun listening to the American Girl Fan Club podcast while I sew, and I can't wait to hear your takes on Claudia when she arrives. Thank you so much for listening to American Girl Fan Club. And don't forget to write a review wherever you get podcasts. It really helps us out. If you're 18 and older, you can also give us a call at 206-395-6096 to share your favorite American Girl stories on our voicemail. And we might even share them on the show. And while you're at it, you can check out my Instagram at five hens and a cockatiel. And my Instagram at ag underscore for all ages. And don't be afraid to DM us. You can follow American Girl on Instagram at American Girl Brand for more updates on your favorite dolls, books, and of course, the shows on the American Girl Podcast Network. 